Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. E-cigarettes. Even though six people have died from e-cigarettes-related lung disease, cigarettes are a healthy (coughs) alternative (coughs) to tobacco. The tobacco industry, apparently e-cigarettes kill people faster than our cigarettes. (laughs) 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 And hot tea and cough drops. The official medicine of a smoker without health insurance trying to do coughing jokes. (laughs) I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices like our health issues are made possible by Marlboro. Now, a special message to America from the Bahamas. Hello, America! It is us, your good friends and neighborly tourist destination, the Bahamas. Now that we're in trouble, you seem to have forgotten us. But we know you know who we are. We're the fourth island mentioned by name in your hit Beach Boys song, Kokomo. We're the one that rhymes with, come on pretty mama. We're not just one of the filler islands, like Aruba. We're an integral part of the rhyme scheme. And don't forget the overpriced Hawaiian shirts made by Tommy Bahama. We don't know how the Bahamas and Hawaii got interlinked in your mass amalgamation of misappropriated culture. But we don't have time for that now. We need your help. And you need us to inspire more overpriced cultural misappropriations, like your Bahama Breeze chain restaurants. You love mediocre, inauthentic, faux Caribbean food, highlighted by the awkward atmosphere that comes from an uptight corporation trying too hard to force a casual attitude. Because our course laid back cannot be meticulously crafted and diligently enforced, but... Who are we to tell you how to do us? And speaking of doing us, Hurricane Dorian did us really, really badly. Like a Donald Trump doing Stormy Daniels level of doing us badly. We know you're relieved that Dorian didn't do you as badly as you had initially thought, but it did us even worse than Maria did Puerto Rico. And if you do your response as badly as you did Puerto Rico, then the only Beach Boys hit of the 1980s will forever be ruined by the fact that the fourth island it mentions by name will forever be ruined. Puerto Rico proves that you don't care about your island neighbors, but we still believe in you, America. We believe in an America that cares about its least popular Beach Boys song that everybody knows the refrain to. We believe in an America that cares about its overpriced shirts that are associated with a different island located in a different ocean. We believe in an America that would be too mildly annoyed that the fake laid-back atmosphere of their Kokomo-ranked chain restaurant feels a little less casual because it reminds them of our human suffering, not to make a minimal donation to a relief effort. For the price of an overpriced tacky shirt, you can help rebuild an independent island nation you know nothing about. You may think you know something about us, but you're almost certainly confusing us with Jamaica. We're more than just an example you use to try and calm the whining of Florida residents, complaining about how they boarded up their homes and evacuated their cities for a storm that didn't do much damage. We are an integral part of the rhyming scheme of the only Beach Boys hit of the 80s. Don't forget us, America. 
please contribute to the Bahamas' recovery effort. Or to ask in a way we know you'll understand. Come, Come on, pretty mama! mama. first reported last Friday, a congressional investigation has been ongoing for months into the military's inexplicable decision to reroute C-17 jets carrying supplies to the Middle East to a floundering commercial airport that services President Trump's floundering Turnberry Golf Resort in Scotland. Refueling at a commercial airport costs significantly more than following the standard practice of refueling at any of the multiple nearby American military bases. The C-17's crews were also shuttled away from affordable accommodations near the airport to Trump's golf resort where the cost of food and lodging greatly exceeds their per diem spending limit. President Trump has denied knowing anything about the rerouting of military jets, which serves no visible purpose other than to line the president's pockets. And so, in an effort to give President Trump the benefit of the doubt, Barely Audible Whisper has tried desperately to imagine scenarios where the military independently decided to reroute their supply transports to a failing commercial airport that one of the president's businesses is totally dependent on for not at all corrupt reasons. General, I've been reviewing our routing plans for transporting supplies to bases in the Middle East, and I devised a way that we can waste considerable sums of money by paying significantly higher rates for fuel. That's a terrible idea. It gets worse, General. I've also figured out how we can force our personnel to travel 30 minutes away from the airport by lodging them at an overpriced golf resort that drastically exceeds their per diem spending allowance. That sounds like a ridiculous waste of taxpayer money. Yes, it is, but it's even worse than that because the overpriced golf resort we'd be shoveling business to is owned by the President of the United States, and the airport we'd be spending too much money on fuel at is on the verge of financial collapse, and if that airport fails, the President's overpriced golf resort will fail. We inconveniently reroute our supply transports to purposely spend more money on fuel and force our personnel to spend beyond their per diem allowance in what would be seen, if it were ever made public, as the deliberate misuse of military funds to personally profit the president. The element of surprise. What? Exactly! Look how surprised you are. It's working already. Calm yourself. What's working? The element of surprise is working, as evidenced by the fact that you're surprised. You're not supposed to surprise me. I'm your general. That's what makes it so surprising. But there is no strategic value in surprising ourselves. That's the real surprise. There's nothing more surprising than the use of the element of surprise with no strategic value other than surprise for the sake of surprise. I'm confused. That's not surprising. Confusion is the purpose of surprise. But you're talking about confusing our own supply chain. Exactly. What could possibly be more confusing to our enemies than us purposely confusing ourselves? Think about how much more difficult it would be for our enemies to figure out our strategy if we strategically employ a strategy of not being strategic. So the purpose of purposely doing something that serves no purpose is to purposely make our enemies ponder the purpose of an action without purpose. Exactly! That would be like inviting the Taliban to Camp David on the week of 9-11. I'm on it, General. I assume I've quashed that dumb idea since there's no way anybody could possibly be stupid enough to think that it's a good idea to invite the Taliban to Camp David on the week of 9-11. President Trump has fired John Bolton, which means that he has now gone through more national security advisors than he has wives. 
The people who have left or have been fired from the Trump administration could fill an entire football roster. But as they're overwhelmingly old and white, they'd be terrible at it. Those that remain from the beginning of Trump's presidency fall into four categories. Family members, evil bastards, token minorities, and Rick Perry. Which begs the question, how is Rick Perry still there? Barely Audible Whisper discovered a secret society within the U.S. cabinet called White House Advisors Totally Evading Very Essential Responsibilities, or whatever. Here is audio from one of their recent meetings. I call this meeting of whatever to order whenever we generally feel like getting down to business. I'm good. I'm fine. All right, then. I'll call roll. Is Rick Perry here? Yes, you are. Is Elaine Chow here? Yes, I am. Is Ben Carson here? I'm fairly certain. Very well. Let us begin with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge pledge allegiance allegiance to to the whatever whatever of the United States of whatever. whatever. And to the whatever for which it stands, one nation under whatever, with whatever and whatnot for all. With whatever and whatnot for all. Did anyone do anything noteworthy since our last meeting? When was our last meeting? Let's see, we canceled the one in August, and July, and all the other ones this year. Ah. Well, I spoke at some things, and generally agreed with the consensus. Very good. Way to stay out of the news, Ben. Oh, I did have that snafu when I didn't know what an Ario was, and thought she said, Oreo. Yes, that was a close one. We do have to avoid saying ridiculous things. Remember what happened to Zinke. I don't remember what happened to Zinke. He claimed climate change had nothing to do with wildfires, then changed his stance, and thus we learned the lesson of Zinke. Never Never have have a stance. A stance. Elaine, have you done anything noteworthy? I've continued to encourage Mitch McConnell to avoid mentioning that I'm his wife. Fantastic. However, in June, I seem to remember seeing your name and the words ethics violations in the same headline. (laughs) That seems to have been largely forgotten. Thank whatever for a president who creates distracting news on a daily basis. What about you, Rick? Any news? Well, the biggest news story I've been in is that I was the designated survivor for the State of the Union. Well done. You are truly the king of doing nothing noteworthy. Well, I have to be more careful than you two. If he fires Ben, he's got no black people left. If he fires Elaine, he's got no minority women at all. He can replace me with any other white guy anytime he wants. It's good to be the token black guy. Well, does anybody have any new business? No. That's what I like to hear. I do have a piece of business. Damn it, Elaine. Should we invite any new members? Like who? Ooh, Betsy DeVos hasn't said anything idiotic in a while. No, the liberals love hating her too much. She could wear glasses upside down and it'd be national news. If I know anything, it's that glasses make you seem smart, but only if you wear them right. What about Sonny Perdue? He hasn't been in the news. 
Who's Sonny Purdue? Secretary of Agriculture, the old guy that's always asleep. He seems like a good fit. Uh, you would say that. I just worry that the Department of Agriculture will be in the news a lot with these tariffs impacting farmers and all. That's true. I think we're best off staying the course and doing what we do best. As, as little as, as humanly, humanly possible. As humanly possible. That's all the business I have, then. Meeting over? Yes. Shall we end by reciting our oath of minimal accomplishment? Can we not? Uh, seconded. All right, then. This meeting of whatever is adjourned. Next meeting is whenever. Uh, noted, uh, this is with a Sharpie. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. As first reported last Friday, a congressional investigation has been ongoing for months into the military's inexplicable decision to reroute C-17 jets carrying supplies to the Middle East to a floundering commercial airport that services President Trump's floundering Turnberry Golf Resort in Scotland. Refueling at a commercial airport costs significantly more than following the standard practice of refueling at any of the multiple nearby American military bases. The C-17's crews were also shuttled away from affordable accommodations near the airport to Trump's golf resort where the cost of food and lodging greatly exceeds their per diem spending limit. President Trump has denied knowing anything about the rerouting of military jets, which serves no visible purpose other than to line the president's pockets. And so, in an effort to give President Trump the benefit of the doubt, Barely Audible Whisper has tried desperately to imagine scenarios where the military independently decided to reroute their supply transports to a failing commercial airport that one of the president's businesses is totally dependent on for not at all corrupt reasons. Attention! Officer on deck! At ease or whatever. Sir, yes sir. Quit being so uptight. Sir, yes sir. Life's too short for all this silly formality. With all due respect, sir, your behavior is uncharacteristically chill, sir. Last night, I went to a Jimmy Buffett concert that completely changed my life. From now on, I'm going to be a laid-back, fun-loving guy. But you're the chief logistical officer in charge of routing supply transports. You excel in this position precisely because you are neither fun-loving nor laid-back. You know what would be fun? Let's randomly start routing C-17s transporting supplies to the Middle East to refuel at a commercial airport near an overpriced golf resort in Scotland. But the cost of refueling at a commercial airport is drastically higher than fueling up on a military base. It's only money. Taxpayer money, sir. And then, just to be totally free-spirited and weird, Let's send the crews of those aircraft 30 minutes away from the airport to stay at the overpriced luxury golf resort. <laughs> the price of food and lodging at Turnberry Golf Resort far exceeds the crew's per diem allowance. That's cool, it'll be an adventure. They'll be like super cool Margaritaville, pirate ship, beach bum, philosopher, poets, trying to hustle a meal in a rich man's world. But they're soldiers in the United States Air Force. They're sailors on the sea of life. With all due respect, sir, this is a reckless and irresponsible use of military funds. 
Speaking of reckless and irresponsible use of military funds, why don't you take a hundred bucks out of petty cash, take the rest of the day off, and do whatever feels natural. And if you're a few hours late tomorrow because you need to sleep it off or whatever, well, that's cool. Sir, yes, sir. Wasting away again in Margaritaville. September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and we here at Barely Audible Whisper have decided to do our part to end the stigma surrounding suicide that is perpetuated by the media's refusal to talk about suicide. With that in mind, Barely Audible Whisper turns to correspondent Ida Asians for a segment we're calling Suicidal Ideations with Ida Asians. And welcome to Suicidal Ideations with Ida Asians. I'm joined by renowned psychologist and suicide expert, Dr. Indadol. Thank you for having me, but more importantly, thank you for having this public discussion. Suicide is stigmatized in our culture, and by avoiding the subject, our media may inadvertently be contributing to that stigma. Barely Audible Whisper is fully committed to doing our part to end that stigma by talking about suicide in a frank and graphic manner. Actually, graphic discussions of the grisly details of suicides in the news media have been known to trigger people having suicidal ideations to act on those ideations. Oh, I, I didn't realize... I, I mean, I certainly didn't intend to trigger anyone who... Obviously, I, I'm trying to help, so... How do I talk about suicide without triggering... Oh, oh, I know. By encouraging those who are contemplating suicide to reach out for help. Actually... When people are depressed to the point of being suicidal, many of those people are often psychologically incapable of reaching out. So by telling them to seek help, maybe at worst victim blaming, and at best maybe equivalent to telling a drowning man to simply swim. Okay, well I certainly didn't mean to... I was only trying to suggest... But what you're saying makes sense. If you're depressed to the point of suicide, then reaching out is... probably not so... Okay, so then, I guess if you know someone who is experiencing potentially suicide symptoms, you should take it on yourself to reach out? Actually... Oh, no, not actually. It is important that we remind those who have lost loved ones to suicide that they are not to blame. You have to be very careful when encouraging people to reach out, not to imply fault on the part of those who may be feeling guilt about not having reached out because they didn't recognize the warning signs. Did I just do that? I didn't mean to... I mean, of course, I would never purposely... So I feel like maybe I should stop talking. Nonsense. Talking about suicide is the only way to end the stigma. Okay, so... I have to talk about suicide without triggering suicide. By encouraging people to reach out for help, without putting an undue burden on the victim to reach out for help. By encouraging other people to reach out and help the victim, without implying that people who know victims who are therefore also victims are somehow at fault for not having reached out to victims, which I'm encouraging victims of knowing victims and victims to do. Actually. No more actually. I can't take it anymore. Hmm. So, now that this conversation about suicide has driven you to feel suicidal, perhaps you can better understand the mindset of suicidal people. What's the point? No matter what I do, I'm always wrong. I, I'd be better off just ending the segment. Why don't you reach out for help? 
To who? My producer? He doesn't care. Besides, he's never done a suicide segment. He wouldn't understand. I'm pulling the plug on this segment. Goodbye, cruel suicidal ideations with Ida Asians. I'd have pulled the plug on her segment if... If only I'd known she was struggling, I could have helped her. How could you have known? She should have reached out for help if she was struggling. I can't believe she just pulled the plug on a segment like that. I've thought about pulling the plug on a segment before, but I never had the balls until I heard the graphic details about how Ida did it. Actually, a comedy sketch that just opposes the need to talk about suicide against the innate difficulties of actually talking about suicide may have been a bad idea. I'm Dr. Endedall, ending it all for this terrible segment. John Bolton, President's most recent national security advisor, whose mustache and foreign policy philosophy are both ripped off from Yosemite Sam, was fired via presidential tweet on Tuesday, evidently as the result of a heated argument the two men had in the Oval Office the night before. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. Hate them varmint Taliban, and I won't stand for no peace talks with them varmints. No way, no how. But I wanted to sign a peace treaty with the Taliban so that I could win the Nobel Prize because Trump is the most nobliest, priziest president. Much more nobly prizy than Obama. The only way to deal with them varmints is to shoot them with my pistols and strangle them with my mustache. But I had to cancel this week's meeting at Camp David because the Taliban committed a terrorist attack. Who could have possibly predicted that the Taliban would commit terrorism? And after I strangle them varmints with one side of my mustache, I'm gonna slap them around with the other side of my mustache. I'm a gonna whomp and a stump, and I beg your pardon, sir, but if I am correctly assessing your meaning, you indicated that you proffered the Taliban with an invitation to a Camp David summit, which coincides with the anniversary of the Taliban's terrorist attack on September the 11th. I must protest this most egregious violation of patriotic sentiment and diplomatic protocol the symbolism of which emboldens those responsible for an indefensible aggression on our homeland. Why are you talking like that, John Bolton? It appears, sir, that for the first time in my life, I am speaking as the voice of reason. Therefore, my protestations against your inexplicable and inadvisable invitation to the Taliban are subconsciously expressing themselves in a reasonable manner, previously foreign to my cartoonishly aggressive political philosophy. I hate that. Tomorrow morning, less than an hour after the White House officially announces that you will hold a press conference in the afternoon, I'm going to fire you on Twitter. That is the rudeness, tootness, bunch of flim-flam and all the tarnation. Why, if the Secret Service wouldn't a whomp and a stop me for it, I'd a whomp and a stop you with my whopping stomping mustache. I shall take my leave, but in doing so, I would be remiss if I neglected to once more beseech you to act more prudently with respect to your predilection for offering unreciprocated concessions to a malevolent foe. 
The good news is that warmongering chicken hawk John Bolton is no longer the national security advisor. The bad news is that President Trump just fired his third national security advisor in two and a half years as president. President Trump has fired more national security advisors than candidate Trump paid off porn stars. President Trump has been reportedly seeking out the advice of H.R. McMaster, his second national security advisor, who President Trump publicly criticized during his tenure as national security advisor, and who he reportedly mocked privately for being too boring with an unflattering impression. According to NBC News, Trump has been calling McMaster since last fall and has told McMaster that he, quote, misses him. Barely audible whisper obtained audio of one such call. I miss you, HR. I miss you so much. Sometimes, when John Bolton is going on and on about strangling people with his mustache, I secretly fantasize about being bored to death by your boring briefings. You quit letting me give you briefings, Mr. President. I know that. I am not a baby. Every time you briefed me, it was always like, Intelligent sources educate blah, blah, blah. And boring information and more boring information. And blah, blah, blah. Information, information, information. I hate information. I realize that, Mr. President. But it was my job to make sure that you took into consideration... I hate consideration in things. Why are you calling me, Mr. President? Because I miss you. I thought it would be more exciting working with an insane, short-tempered human cartoon, but now I realize I like being the only insane, short-tempered human cartoon in the room. You are definitely the most insane, short-tempered human cartoon I've ever known. Oh, so you miss me too? It's not a matter of missing you, Mr. President. It's a matter of sober respect for and desire to protect and preserve the myriad of institutions that make up the national security apparatus Boring. of- I'm H.R. guy, and I say serious, boring things like national security, apatomax. The word is apparatus. That's what I said, apapabulous. It doesn't matter. The point is that the multi-pronged national security I want apparatus- to say very boring, serious things about the multi-ping-pong national security apapapus. Mr. President, you say you miss me, but then you make fun of me. I miss making fun of you. I do the most bestest impression of John Bolton. Great dude Robert joke about mustache violence. But I hate that impression because it's an impression of an insane, short-tempered human cartoon. Which means it's almost like an impression of me. And I hate impressions of me. Nobody hates cartoonish impressions of Trump more than Trump. This conversation has become too meta. Uh, Just tell me what you want, Mr. President. I want you to be my national security advisor again. I promise this time I won't publicly undermine you on Twitter or spend months threatening to fire you and then denying that I threatened to fire you and then threatening to fire you again. Because even though I hate how boring you are, 
I've learned that being boring is an important part of the important work required of the Commander-in-Chief of the United States of America. Wow. I'm pleased to hear you've finally evolved into a mature appreciation of the office of the president. Fake news! I fooled you! I'm H.R. McBurg, and I mature appreciate the multiplication tables of Pokemon Pug's national security of appendicitis. As first reported last Friday, a congressional investigation has been ongoing for months into the military's inexplicable decision to reroute C-17 jets carrying supplies to the Middle East to a floundering commercial airport that services President Trump's floundering Turnberry Golf Resort in Scotland. Refueling at a commercial airport costs significantly more than following the standard practice of refueling at any of the multiple nearby American military bases. The C-17's crews were also shuttled away from affordable accommodations near the airport to Trump's golf resort where the cost of food and lodging greatly exceeds their per diem spending limit. President Trump has denied knowing anything about the rerouting of military jets, which serves no visible purpose other than to line the president's pockets. And so, in an effort to give President Trump the benefit of the doubt, Barely Audible Whisper has tried desperately to imagine scenarios where the military independently decided to reroute their supply transports to a failing commercial airport that one of the president's businesses is totally dependent on for not at all corrupt reasons. General, there's a Scottish businessman, uh, I think he's a businessman anyway, here to see you. I spoke to him on the phone earlier, and I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. I think I accidentally scheduled him an appointment. Send him in. Slack class this evening on Crackabam Wood. What was that? They play they weekend tomorrow. I can't understand what he's saying. Neither can I. That's why I booked the appointment. Be only there, be only there. Oh, to be lying, be only. Uh-huh. Th- this is bad. I can't risk insulting him. Our diplomatic status in this region is already needlessly complicated under our current administration. But pleasure uh, airport from here while the care of my heart is ringing. Right. You can't just keep agreeing with him without understanding what you're agreeing to. I see that graceful, straight and tall. That's where the airport is sweet and bunny. Uh-huh. What choice do I have? I'm not risking an international incident over just something about an airport. I cannot tell. I not tell. It's a city on another's airport in low to lie in language. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, enough for your anger. Oh no, he's pulling out a contract. I think he wants you to sign it. enough for your anger. Let, let me read over the contract before you sign it. Lord to Lyle and Lagos Engineer that are diversion? What? The contract's written in Scottish gibberish. Let me see that. The entire contract is impossible to understand. It's like trying to decipher a Robert Burns poem. Then there's no harm in me signing it. I studied Robert Burns in college. 
He's completely overrated, but he's also innocuous. What Jenny say there will be man and seal was named before me in a violation of the emoluments clause of great favor. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, finally back from vacation and technological disaster. We hope you missed us even a little bit as much as we missed you. Speaking of we, we are writer, producer, co-host Dave Baldwin, co-host Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, and actress Corey Burns. Please uh, subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcasts and follow us on our social media. We appreciate your support. Now's the part where Dan usually says hubris, but we have switched audio software and I did not uh, get Dan to re-record hubris and uh, I can't import Dan saying hubris here, so I'll just say uh, hubris. Hubris.